0: Uh, Sunday, and uh, so today, even though the Torah study is out of Numbers 4, Torah portion number 39, we're going to teach today on Pentecost and seven signs of the Holy Spirit, uh, and uh, it should be a great study. Pentecost, as we know, is the book of Acts, right? Right? It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's the birth of the New Testament church. And uh, what we haven't necessarily learned is that the origins of Pentecost are directly related with what God gave in Leviticus 23 to uh, uh, celebrate what's called Shavuot, or Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. It's the same holiday. It's one of the seven feasts of the Lord that God gave to Israel, and each of these major feasts uh, contain incredible revelation uh, that teaches us in their own unique way and with their own unique characteristics how to live the will of God, how to experience the will of God, and how to be victorious. Amen. How many of you love the idea that as a Christian through Christ, I am, you are victorious. Amen, amen, amen. And so, uh, within the feasts of the Lord, these are biblical holidays, right? And each reveal another aspect of the Lord's pro- prophetic and progressive Master plan. God has a master plan. And a lot of that, in a general sense, is revealed through the holidays. He's God has a divine calendar. Whoever knew these things? Uh, and in that divine calendar, as we celebrate it, we create a rhythm for our lives and we live out the master plan that God has for our lives. And there's so much more we could get into on the seven feasts of the Lord. But we're celebrating Pentecost, Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. And it's not uncommon that uh, as we uh, get into Pentecost week, that the weekly Torah portion comes up uh, here in the book of Numbers, Numbers 4 through Numbers 7. And uh, this particular Torah study uh, is called NASO, N-A-S-O, and it means to lift up. So God is saying that during this Pentecost week, this Shavuot week, that God is getting ready to lift you up. Who Who needs a little elevation in your life, right? Well, that comes when we understand the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Spirit of God. It's no coincidence that in uh, in number six, this Torah study, is when God gives the priestly blessing. Who's a Trekkie here? Anybody ever watch Star Trek? Right. And of course, uh, I could never do it. So I must not be part of the original priesthood. But remember, Spock would, would give that special sign, live long and prosper. That's the priestly blessing. That's the sign that the priest would make when he spoke the, the priestly blessing, the ironic blessing, which is the Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord deal kindly and graciously with you, and the Lord bestow his favor upon you and grant you peace. Amen. Right? So uh, it turns out Leonard Nemoy, who was Spock, is a Jew. Yes. Amen. You know, he's uh, gone on to heaven now. Uh, But he and the executive producer, the creator of Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry, were Jews. And they were sitting around trying to figure out how can we bring a little Jewishness into Star Trek. And they they used the priestly blessing sign. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Spot. Very wise. (laughs) But this particular blessing... Is meant to lift you up. And because uh, uh, it's related to the season of Pentecost, the appointed time of Shavuot, Pentecost, uh, God is sending a loud and clear message to his people. I love you. I want to empower you with my Holy Spirit so that you'll be lifted up and go out and do the work of the Lord throughout your whole life. Not a bad deal, right? So originally, some people, well, how come we celebrated Shavuot last week and this week we're celebrating Pentecost? If they're the same holiday, why don't they fall on the same date? Well, the problem there is that the church didn't want to be Jewish they didn't they wanted to separate themselves in the early years after all the uh, the Jewish apostles died and went on to heaven and now gentiles started to out and the thing shifted from Jerusalem and Israel to Europe and Rome and all of a sudden it's like why are we going to follow those puny little people we're going to do it our way and so they set a fixed date for Pentecost that it would always be right to, uh, in conjunction with an equinox. <laughs> you know, so don't ask me what all that means, but <laughs> it just means that uh, there's different dates. But originally, there was never a predetermined date for Pentecost. And in uh, the Jewish side of Judeo Christianity, It still works the way it did in the beginning. Once the date of Passover is set, and that rotates based on a moon calendar, not a sun calendar, then 50 days later, we'll have our Pentecost, our Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. Count seven weeks of seven Sabbaths, 49, and the next day is the outpouring. Right? So you have a Passover... That's your born-again experience. It's symbolic of being born again. Salvation, deliverance, freedom, liberty. The bondages and curses are broken. But that's not the only experience that God has for his people. Fifty days later, there's a Pentecost, right? A second experience. Uh, And... It's here 50 days later at Mount Sinai that, that God took Israel from not just being set free, right? right? But now 50 days later, let me show you how to live free. Amen. And that's where the Bible comes in. Amen. The second experience originally was the outpouring of the Bible. God gave Israel, and by extension, he gave the world the B-I-B-L-E back then. It was for the Jew, the Torah, the five books of Moses. And now it's expanded to a big, thick book that you can hit people over the head with and get, knock some sense into that. (laughs) Right? But here's the takeaway there is that salvation and the altar call isn't the end, it's just the beginning. Coming out of Egypt isn't the end. God didn't bring Israel out of Egypt to play Fleetwood Mac and go your own way. No, you go to Mount Sinai, get a re- get a filling of the Holy Ghost 50 days later. During that 50 days, work on your character. I brought you out of Egypt. Now let's work on getting Egypt out of you. And to help you out, I'm going to give you the Word of God. And then uh, uh, later on in the New Testament, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So it's an outpouring of God's wisdom and power. And we need that more than just once, right? Well, I did that 17 years ago. No, you need it every day of your life. Father, refill me, refill me, refill me, refill me. Right? But on Pentecost, and especially because we get busy in life, we forget to do things. And all of a sudden, just like on Thanksgiving or Christmas, Pentecost rolls around on God's divine calendar. It's supposed to trigger something in us beyond just, oh, uh, honey, we better get to church today. No, it's Pentecost. God, fill me with the Holy Ghost and power. And we think that way, right? We plan for that. And then once you're equipped, now I'm equipped with a Passover experience. Now I'm equipped with a Pentecost experience. Now I'm empowered. I can overcome sin. I can overcome the devil. I can overcome the obstacles that have been in my family for years and years and years. I can fulfill the will of God. I can fulfill my destiny in Christ. Hallelujah. This is God's way of lifting us up and elevating us to the next levels of promises and power because God has a great life for everybody. Some of us, are start, we started way back, right? Some of you all started where you were almost walking on water. <laughs> but if you're like me, we started way back. We were so down, we had to look down to see up or up to see down, right? So we've come a long ways. And uh, there's still a ways to go, but God gives us the Holy Spirit, a fresh refilling when the day of Pentecost has come again on the calendar so that we can make sure that when we finally make it, well done! Well, how can you get to the well done? good? Because you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So these are the same holidays, Shavuot, Pentecost. Uh, we're in these last days trying to reunite Judeo-Jewishness with Christianness, right? And that's what our church stands for in a big way. We're not afraid to study the New, uh, the Old Testament. That's the wisdom of God. It's not abolished. It's God's God's wisdom. How do you? How does somebody say God's wisdom is abolished? It just doesn't make any sense, does it? Now, we need to add to that wisdom additional revelation. And that's where the New Testament is additional revelation. So what's happening with the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot, Shavuot, uh, and Pentecost is, as we said, you got one, the giving of the Torah, the other, the giving of the Holy Spirit on the same day. Um, The The 50 days in the Old Testament was the counting of the Omer. Uh, And that's what the apostles and disciples were doing, but they were waiting for the promise. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until you get the promise. And boy, did they get it. (laughs) One was preparation for the power of the Torah. The other was preparation for the power of the Holy Spirit. Intertwined. The first uh, experience was God's laws being written on stone. Right? Moses came down the Ten Commandments, right? Uh, and you saw the movie, so you know what I'm talking about. The other one uh, in, in uh, the New Testament Pentecost is God writing the laws on our heart. Same laws, different locations. Shavuot, the Torah is a pathway. That's what Torah means. Yara, it's an archery term. Hit the mark. The Holy Spirit is given to help us hit the mark. Right uh, at Mount Sinai, they experience. The experience included fire on the mountain. It wasn't just a Charlie Daniels song. <laughs> And languages. And so it was uh, when the day of Pentecost came in Acts 2. Fire, tongues of fire, and languages. 49 days after the Red Sea. 49 days after the resurrection. 50 days after Passover. 50 days after Passover. They were gathered at Mount Sinai. They were gathered in the upper room. One is the birth of the Jewish nation. The other is the birth of the Christian nation. Unfortunately, at the first one, 3,000 rebelled and paid the price. But that all got negated in the New Testament. 3,000 responded and received new life. So you see the similarities there. It demonstrates the closeness, the connection that was always supposed to exist. And thank God it's coming back. Uh, You've got to appreciate a man like Pastor Larry. What a leader that's willing to take something like that on that's been such a Hatfield and McCoy situation for centuries and all of a sudden God raises a pastor up. Uh, no, we're going we're to embrace that and learn from that. And uh, so here we are, doing that very thing. Amen. So, uh, we're in the will of God here at New Beginnings. Now, I want to give you a history and a geographical lesson before we pivot to seven signs that the Holy Spirit is working in you. Uh, and uh, I, I do this just to kind of get rid of some of the, uh, the doctrines of men. And if you have the old doctrine, it's okay. You're not going to burn in hell for all of eternity, so relax. But because of replacement theology, sometimes we get things wrong and we teach things that we think are the gospel and are really not the gospel. Again, it's not going to, you know... uh, damage your psyche to the point that you're dysfunctional, but it's just nice to set the story right, uh, right? right? Okay, so Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all uh, with one accord in one place. That's the upper room, right? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Okay, so all this time we're thinking that this is the upper room. We've been in, on the Israel tour, you go to the upper room, right? And uh, sometimes if you go to the, uh, the museum up by the Knesset, they have this gigantic, who's been there? You've seen this gigantic replica city of the old city. And they can, your tour guy will show, here's the upper room. And they show you where the upper room is, and then you can actually go there. It's right by the uh, tomb of King David. So as Christians, we're always taught that the Holy Spirit uh, filled them in the upper room. Who was taught that? Yeah. And so uh, it's true that the disciples were gathered in the upper room. And during that 50 days following the crucifixion and resurrection building up to uh, Shavuot, Pentecost, they were in the upper room. But the actual outpouring can be questioned. Did it really happen in the upper room or did it happen somewhere else? And the fact of the matter is... It, uh, you can argue back and forth, but it's more likely that the outpouring happened in the temple and not in the upper room. And let me explain. When you go in, how many of you are Bible students, you have a Strong's Concordance? And you can look up all the words and see what the original meanings are and so on and so forth. When you look up uh, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, what do you suppose the word house means in the original uh, translation? Because when we read it, we think house. We think, well, I you know, live on uh, you know, uh, you know, a certain boulevard and there's my house. We think of a house. But it actually, look up that word, and it means temple. Amen. That's right. So it could have easily been translated, they were all in one place in one accord, and the, the power of God hit, and it filled the temple where they were seated. Seated. Sitted. Something like that. Now this makes a lot of sense. Uh, Because the scripture says, when all of this outpouring happened, and the tongues of fire, and they spoke in other tongues, it says that all the Jews that were gathered in Jerusalem heard them. And they were wondering, have you been eating some of Ty's Kahlua cake? (laughs) Y'all are drunk on Kahlua, man. What are we hearing? Well, if they were in the upper room, that's about a mile away. That's what your tour guide will show you in that replica city. See, here's the upper room, and way over there is the temple. What would an Orthodox observant Jew be doing on the feast of Pentecost? They would be gathering where? At At the temple. And it says they were gathered. Peter did, preached his big sermon at the temple on the temple steps in conjunction with the outpouring. Now, how did they hear him a mile away? And then everybody ran real quick and then they re replicated the thing. And just doesn't, uh, it's not reasonable to think they were in the upper room. It's more reasonable to think that they were in the, te- that's how everybody heard and saw. Now, they were in the upper room, but at 9 o'clock, the hour of prayer, the power of God hit. Because that's when the high priest would lift up the two loaves and say the blessing and release the anointing of that appointed time. Look what it says as all of this is unfolding in Acts chapter 2, verse 14 says, Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. There wouldn't be the crowd at the at the upper room. The crowd was in the temple. They didn't travel all that way from around Israel and around the then known world to uh, not be at the temple at that appointed time. And they shouted, listen carefully all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people aren't drunk as some of you are assuming, nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you're seeing was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And then he goes in to his big speech in, uh, and in Acts chapter 2. So yes, 120 disciples were gathered in the upper room. They're waiting for the promise. Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise. So they're in the upper room, counting the omer, 50 days waiting for the promise of the outpouring. And then when the day of Pentecost, or Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks had fully come, that morning they made their way down to the temple. To be there for the morning hour of prayer, 9 a.m. And this is where God poured out His Holy Spirit. This is how all the Jews heard and saw what God was doing. And as a result of all of that, Peter stands up and starts to preach. And it's amazing because as a result of his preaching, a miracle revival broke out. This is funny that, uh, we, we learn the, the talking point of the replacement theologians that Jews rejected Jesus, but Acts 2.41 shows just the opposite. It says those who believed after what Peter had said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. That's a heck of an altar call. That's like Billy Graham happening, right? Very impressive. This is the birth of the church. The church was birthed in revival by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, not in the upper room, but in the temple. They were there to fulfill the commandment that, Come before me. On these days, Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles. And they did. And God blessed them, and they got a lot more than they thought they were going to get. And may you receive a lot more than uh, you think you're going to (laughs) get. May God do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever imagine or think. And that's part of the benefit of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not a coincidence that Pentecost means 50. It's God's number for Jubilee. You know what Jubilee is, right? Jubilee is every debt is canceled. What what has been lost or stolen, whether it's by a man or by the devil, is going to be restored, right? Restitution will be made. And freedom is granted. Now there's a lot to unpack there, but when you start understanding the revelation behind Jubilee, you can begin to declare some things and claim some things and expect some things because God wants to what? Lift you up to a higher level. And it's hard to be, feel like you're being lifted up to a higher level if you're crushed by the burden of debt. If you're beaten down by the cares of this world and all these different things, it's hard to feel lifted up. But God says, I'm going to fill you with the Holy Ghost in power, and that empowerment is going to help you overcome these things. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. Now, if you feel like running, I guess that's okay. If you feel like falling, I guess that's okay. The biggest difference is, is after you stop running or after you get up after falling, are you transformed? Has something changed? Or was it all just a show? I'm not interested in religion. I'm interested in breakthrough miracle power that helps me lead my family into all that Jesus has paid for by his blood. Right? So each year on God's calendar, he wants to refill us all with a fresh anointing. I can use more Pentecost power, and today is the appointed day. I receive it in Jesus' name. Pentecost power. One of the little-known scriptures is in Acts chapter 20, verse 16, where it says, Paul hurried back to Jerusalem for Pentecost. What's the big deal, Paul? You're you're across the sea. You're you're on the other side of the Mediterranean, and you're trying to make it back to Jerusalem to celebrate. Why? Why? Because he knew it was an appointed time for an outpouring of God's power. We were in Jerusalem a few years ago on Pentecost. And we we kept, Pastor and I kept saying, where's all the tour buses? (laughs) Why aren't people here for Pentecost? You know, it's a big world out there and they got a heck of a lot of buses. And we couldn't see any of them moving around. And it was like, have we lost the power of Pentecost? Don't lose the power of Pentecost, the revelation that you are anointed with the power of God. The anointing of God is within you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ancient wisdom says Pentecost is the end of bondage and the start of a new beginning. Amen. That's right. it's what our Jewish rabbis teach. There's another uh, 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 quote from ancient wisdom That's when you bring the Pentecost first fruit offering, God will divorce you from your old life. That's a big reason why we have Pentecost, why we receive the Holy Spirit, is so that God can begin to work inside of us to divorce us from all the old stuff, right? It says you will no longer be a slave to the limits of this world. Who doesn't like that? (laughs) But you will become married and a covenant partner. No longer of Egypt, but a covenant partner with an unlimited God. Oh, the Jews are legalistic. That doesn't sound legalistic to me. That sounds like I want more of that in my life. I want the vision, the knowledge, the understanding, the anointing, the empowerment to keep elevating my life so I'm experiencing more and more of what Jesus paid for by His blood. If all Jesus did was die so that I could have eternal life, I couldn't praise Him. I'd still serve Him. But Jesus died not just to bring me eternal life. And if that's all he did, okay, I'll suffer and make the, you know, whatever fate, whatever, you know, okay, you know, we'll make it the best we can. But he also said, I have come that you would have life and that life more abundantly. I want more abundant life. That's not being greedy or selfish. That's just saying whatever God promised, I want to be in the will to receive that promise. And so the Holy Spirit comes in. Jesus ascended and released the power of the Holy Spirit, and he talks about this in John 14. In verse uh, 16, he says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he is going to send you another advocate who will never leave you. I am going to put something inside of you called the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And He's going to advocate for you. He's going to counsel you. He's going to lead and guide you. And you're going to avoid all the normal pitfalls of life because suddenly you're operating at a higher level. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John 14, 26 in the Amplified Gives us a bigger picture about who the Holy Spirit is. The comforter. Right? He's the comforter. Thank God we don't have to be nervous nells. We don't have to walk around in a crazy world feeling crazy. <laughs> right? We don't have to be filled with anxiety and overcome by the cares of this world. We have a comforter. He's living on the inside of us. Let's not repel the comforter. Let's embrace the comforter and thank the Lord. Father, thank you. You've given me the Holy Spirit. And I receive all the comfort and all the blessed assurance that comes with it. And then the Amplified has in parentheses following comforter with a capital C, counselor. Right? We need counsel. Right? You don't need 32 weeks of therapy. Well, maybe you do. (laughs) You need the counseling of the Holy Spirit. And that comes in conjunction with how much we know the Word. When our Word level is high, then our faith level is high. Our comfort level is high. If, if our Word level is low, right, then all these other things are low. God wants to lift us up and elevate us. He's our helper, it says, our intercessor, our advocate, our strengthener, our standby. The Holy Spirit. Yeah? Amen? And the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. So everything we see Jesus doing in the New Testament, summed up in Acts 10.38, Jesus anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So when you get around people that are trying to tell you how the devil is overcoming them, Stop them in their trap. Well, I got some good news for you. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost right now and begin to overcome the devil instead of always being overcome by the devil. Amen. Right? John sixteen thirteen says, "When the Spirit of Truth comes, this is the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all the truth." All the truth is a lot of truth, right? It's an encyclopedia, a Bible of truth, right? How many promises are there? How much wisdom and revelation can any man say uh, uh, correctly? I've already learned all of that. <laughs> Who can say that, right? It's a lifelong journey of learning and growing and maturing and developing, Says he will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. Where did he hear it from? The throne room of heaven. This is God's plan for my child. Go down there and empower him or her to live out that destiny, to live with a purpose in their lives that that goes beyond just what I can get from Amazon. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. Now what's going on there? So often our minds are clouded. Because we're listening to all the noise out there. And there's got to come times in our life where we are silent and still. And we know that he is God. Right. I don't care what they're saying over here and over there. I don't care what it looks like in this natural world. I have blood-bought promises. And I will declare them and prophesy them and pray them until I go home to glory. What if it doesn't work out the way you said? I will prophesy, declare, and live them as best as I can until I go home to glory. But what if it doesn't work? I will prophesy, declare, and live them as best as I can by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? All right. That's Holy Ghost power. And in these last days, we better have that level of anointing, that level of purpose, that level of commitment. I'm all in. Are you all in today? I'm all in. Are you all in today? So, these seven signs, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Look, when when you're a Spirit-filled believer... The Holy Ghost does a makeover in your life. You ever seen that show with Ty Pennington on extreme makeovers of the house? Apply that to your life. Your attitude, your personality, the way you live, your outlook in life. You're supposed to be, we're all new creations, right? Is that the promise? Those that believe in Jesus Christ are new creations but I keep thinking the old way. Well, out with the stinking thinking and in with the wisdom of God, right? The work of the Spirit is to empower these changes. That's why we get filled with the Holy Ghost. It's not so we can run around the sanctuary and show everybody I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. If that's what you do, I'm not into that. But if that's what makes it work for you, okay. You might get tackled by an usher. The police officer might say, come this way and let me check your breath. (laughs) I'm not drunk as you suppose. (laughs) A great example of this is Saul. Saul was the religious hatchet man for the religious crowd. But when he had his Damascus Road experience, everything changed. It was an extreme makeover. Right? So let's go through these quickly. One sign, the first one on my list, that you're filled with the Spirit, is the fruit of the Spirit is developing and maturing in you. Your character, your disposition... Your outp- outlook, your worldview begins to change, and especially in nine key areas, as it says in Galatians 5. The fruit of the spirit is. Galatians 5:22. It is love. but let's just expand that. It's loveliness. All of a sudden, God working in us creates a loveliness. He creates a joyfulness, a peacefulness, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and discipline or self-control. So, one of the signs, fruit of the Spirit is growing, right? Number two, conviction. Conviction, not condemnation. Sometimes people get convicted and they want to say, don't condemn me. But conviction is sensed in your conscience when you miss the mark. That's what sin means. You're missing the mark. It doesn't mean you're a mean troll living under a a bridge and you just go uh, in that direction. But we, we make mistakes. We sin. We miss the mark. And the Holy Spirit convicts us so that our spirit... And the Holy Spirit himself aren't grieved. If you keep missing the mark, you'll grieve yourself and you'll grieve the Holy Spirit. There is such a thing as a godly sorrow. A godly grief. Not because you got caught, because you realize I did it in the first place. That's conviction. And it's meant to lead us into repentance so that we'll make better decisions the next time. Amen? This is what John 16.8 speaks about. And when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin. He'll convict the world of righteousness. What does it mean to be a righteous person and of judgment? Not every judgment has to be a bad judgment. The judge can rule in your favor. And God wants to rule in your favor. But a lot of that is just getting convicted about, why do I keep making these same mistakes? Holy Spirit, empower me to get past that. Amen. Number three, transformation takes place. And it takes place over time, and it's almost like you're peeling back the layers of an onion, right? you're peeling back the layers of the old life, the old attitudes, the old thinking that you had before Jesus Christ came into your life. And and not only do you uh, peel back the layers, but then you begin to take on the new nature. Out with the old nature, in with the new. Amen? And the Holy Spirit helps us Renew the spirit of our minds so we can focus on living and doing things God's way, not the way we learned in the world. Amen? And this is what it talks about in Titus 3.5. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. So you have a new life inside of you. Now we just got to get it to blossom and flourish. And it is. You're here. I'm preaching to the choir. Okay, number four of the seven signs you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit, conviction, transformation. Number four, boldness. Boldness becomes an attribute. Of every believer, or it should become an attribute of every believer. And one definition that I liked of being bold is outspokenness in the face of opposition. Outspokenness in the face of demonic opposition. Because the devil's trying to get us as believers, as Christians, as the church, to back down and be silent. They did it in the book of Acts after Jesus was crucified and all of a sudden some of the religious folks tried to really uh, uh, constrain and put a lid on this revival. We can't have revival. And the the government today doesn't want revival. They're trying to hinder us from gathering, keep us all locked down, and keep us all uh, uh, socially apart, socially distanced, and on and on and on. We're going to find out some things about what we just went through, and we're, we're already finding out. Did we just get scammed? So boldness outspokenness in the face of opposition. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Acts 4.31. So we begin to speak the word of God boldly. Number five, wisdom and guidance begins to strategically affect our decisions. Okay, The Holy Spirit is the counselor. He's going to show us how to turn knowledge into wisdom. Knowledge is not power. It's only potential power. It's only when we apply knowledge that it becomes wisdom. Applied knowledge in every circumstance. And we read John 16, 13. He'll guide us into all the truth and he'll show us things to come. Number 6, spiritual vision, a sign of the holy spirit. All of a sudden I can see beyond the natural. I have the eyes of faith. Look, we're all created for uh, with a unique purpose. We've all got a godly calling and destiny. But the Bible says that the devil comes to blind the minds of those that would believe the gospel. So, God, give me vision. Give me spiritual vision. Open the eyes of my understanding so that I can see the hope of my calling through Jesus Christ. Fill me with a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost and power. And God said, on the day I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and my young men will see visions, my old men will dream dreams. Hit me with your best shot, God. (laughs) And number seven, as we close, is uh, another sign, the seventh sign I wrote uh, uh, of the Holy Spirit, is we pray in a heavenly prayer language. Right? It, that becomes part of our prayer life. Uh, praying in tongues, a heavenly language, is a spiritual gift available to everyone. And once we have that special infilling, all of a sudden we tap into another dimension of God's power in our spiritual life. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries in the Spirit. Mysteries. The divine secrets of the gospel are being prayed when we pray in the Holy Ghost. We pray in the Spirit. You don't understand that. But the Spirit in you understands that and we're uttering the divine secrets of the gospel, if you haven't cut that verse out of your Bible. So there they are. Seven signs. Fruit of the Spirit, conviction, transformation, boldness, wisdom and guidance, spiritual vision, and prayer in, he- in the heavenly language. Father, we thank you for the day of Pentecost has fully come. We pray for an infilling in our lives, a refilling in our lives of the Holy Ghost and all the promises of God. Anoint us for your service. Lead and guide us. Transform us. Direct us. And help us to walk at the highest levels. And, Father, we give you thanks and praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen this morning. And amen. Well, if you receive that, give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah.